Welcome to the High Rise Podcast, presented by Headset, the leading data and analytics company for the cannabis industry. Emily, if you had to guess, what do you think would be the best selling strain in Washington, D.C.? I don't know, but I can think of one that I think would be a pretty big hit out that way. And it's something called Sleepy Joe OG. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I saw this. Where did this come from? Okay, so apparently over the weekend, Snoop Dogg took to Twitter or not Twitter, Instagram to, um, I think, kind of put the president on blast about the lack of reform around cannabis, but do so in a playful way. Because as we all know, Snoop Dogg has launched several product lines and has done partnerships with like Martha Stewart, etc. And this one is a pretty amazing. We don't know if it's real, right? But we know that it's if it isn't, it's a pretty good mock up. It's got to be real. Like, it looks so real. Like, the packaging, it has the California warning label. But, yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's wishful thinking. But I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them. I just love it. And it has, it's so great. It has uh, multiple country flags, including the Ukraine and Russia. (laughs) And it says, you won't even remember what country you are in. (laughs) And then there's like, where am I? It's really, it's... (laughs) It's quite funny. And I, you know, this was in Newsweek. And as we were discussing before we started the pod, it uh, is a pretty well known publication. But this is pretty funny. And I didn't realize this has been a string of things that he's done, kind of (laughs) given the president a hard time, I'll say, around some of the funny things that have happened in public with him, including tripping up the stairs to Air Force One. (laughs) But uh, um, I recommend people check this out because this is some pretty good stuff. And some of it is on TikTok, which this old lady is is not on TikTok, but now I'm going to start looking more for this content because I'd argue this pairs very well with cannabis too. Oh yeah, it wow. does. I think Snoop Dogg is giving Elon Musk a run for his shit poster money. I mean, this is amazing. Like, you know, I know Snoop has collaborated with Martha Stewart on cannabis, but I think he needs to collaborate with Elon on Twitter, right? Because it's they're just like relentless with this stuff. And this is gold. This is really gold. Uh, what he's done here with this packaging. I mean, with just the tagline, like, where am I? To go through the (laughs) amount of effort. If it's not a real strain, it's even more effort, right? To produce the packaging, just to take a photo for Instagram. That's insane, right? So he's got to go to the next level and actually get this in the market. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. I love it. I love it. It's so funny. It's so funny. He genuinely sounds pretty upset with the president. And uh, I know it's it's so good. But uh, I wanted to talk not about the president. Uh, I wanted to talk about Washington, uh, (laughs) D.C. in particular. And what I want to talk about was a week ago, and I, I, I somehow missed this, but it was a week ago where Washington, D.C. basically has passed a, a law or, or what have you that essentially allows people to self-diagnose for medical cannabis uh, and say, you know what, medical cannabis works for me, and I need a, I guess, is it a doctor's recommendation? Is it a personal recommendation? And that's good enough to go into the dispensaries. I want to talk about it because I think it's quite interesting. And it's something that I know um, I've seen in other markets in the past in Vancouver and Canada in the medical days, kind of in the, well, Vancouver, Canada had a, had a pretty big gray area, gray market, you know, BC bud and everything. And like uh, a lot of uh, history there and not and obviously not just Vancouver itself, but that whole, that whole province where you could self-diagnose and say, oh, you know what I need I need cannabis for my my treatment when you walked in. And that's all long gone with their legal framework because they have a legal framework. And the problem in D.C. has been D.C. legalized cannabis, 
but DC cannot regulate, you know, the purchase of cannabis because they've been blocked at every turn by the federal government. And so you've got this kind of nightmare scenario, I think, for the industry where you've legalized cannabis, but you haven't legalized the sale of cannabis. So people are looking for ways around that. And it's produced this whole gray area where you can go into store, call service, get something like a smoothie, and with that smoothie, get an eighth of Sleepy Joe OG. But you're not buying, you know, the strain, you're buying the smoothie, right? And they're gifting the cannabis. And that's been something that's been around essentially since they legalized. So it's kind of a um, a sanctioned, you know, gray market, uh, more or less. And that's that's no good for anybody for a lot of reasons. You know, one, there are medical you know, dispensaries that are there that are operating, you know, in the framework that exists and have made significant investments into that framework. Uh, and two, I'd say that, you know, this stuff is untested. You know, you don't know where this cannabis comes from. The whole point of, of legalizing and regulating cannabis is to, to increase safety or limit access to people that are, you know, under 21. And this gray market just makes it easy for those things. So DC figured out a very, what I would say, pragmatic way to go in and say, you know what, we've got to in this gray market, let's get people into these medical dispensaries. And, you know, they haven't said this, but it's it's basically treating it like adult use, right? Just you're 21, you can say you need this, you can go in and get it, no problem. But this stuff is tested, it's regulated, it's sold through, you know, proper channels, and it's just better for the consumer. So I think this is super cool uh, that they did it. And I think, I can't believe it's taken this long for them to get there. But again, like a very pragmatic approach to like a real problem that DC has had. And they're not the only one uh, that's, you know, had some recent movement towards this. But, you know, I think this is really cool for the consumer in DC. I think it's tremendous. And I think that it is one of the things that the longtime advocates have been saying about cannabis is that people know when they need something to either make them feel better or to reduce anxiety, to help them sleep to reduce pain, all of these things, right? And think about it this way. You can walk into a pharmacy based on your own understanding of what your body needs. And you can probably talk to a pharmacist if you're not clear, but you can get access to painkilling medicine. You can get access to things for the flu. And a lot of those things you can actually really hurt yourself with quite a bit. I mean, real downside to drinking NyQuil and driving a car. So, I mean, these are things that we've been able to do because they've been socialized this whole time time and people have been able to take control of their own you know destiny around what they are seeking and so cannabis i don't see why it should be any different from that and to be frank does have less downside potential impacts than a lot of things you can actually find in a pharmacy over the counter. I did have to kind of laugh because I was just telling Sai earlier that my brother, I heard him yelling about this in the other room. We we read Marijuana Moment pretty much all day long, you know, just kind of keep it, an eye on it. And it, it popped into our feed that way. And Morgan like fist bumped. And I couldn't help but think of it just felt kind of funny because I couldn't think of the scene from The Office where Michael Scott declares bankruptcy. And he just <laughs> yells it. That's right. I declare, <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Yeah. And the guy, Oscar, the CPA is like, uh, Michael, you can't just declare. But I think the point here is you're absolutely hitting it on the head, which is that this is pragmatic. And states and local jurisdictions, and let's face it, just like we talked about earlier in the year, private businesses, are stepping up where the federal government is failing us, the constituents. And I think this is really interesting that this is happening right in the president's 
literal backyard and in the also in our legislative branches backyard because they are a huge aspect of the failure of progress and laws around this. And so I give a lot of credit to the people on the ground in these local jurisdictions such as Washington, D.C., who are saying this is becoming a problem because it's creating more space for this unregulated market to potentially create havoc here. And instead, we should just be running this through a system. And I just think it's better for the people and it's better for for Washington, D.C. So I'm happy to see these groups stepping up and doing it. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, just uh, a few episodes back, we were talking about Minnesota and uh, this approach to edibles, right, where they have this Mm -hmm. real problem with these Delta 8 and Delta 9 coming from hemp being imported, being ordered online and frankly not regulated. And they've opened it up, you know, to say, okay, well, we should legalize edibles, right? And fix this like loophole and, you know, help the farmers of Minnesota that want to, you know, grow hemp and have a market and help, you know, product manufacturers that want to produce products around this. I think that's another great example of just a pragmatic approach to, you know, something that is out there and is around them and they're just dealing with it. And, um, you know, this model, you know, it's an interesting comment you made about the OTC and kind of like we do self-diagnose for a lot of things, right? And stuff gets... You know, sometimes starts you know in the pharmacy and gets put on the on the counter eventually. And why can't we just say, you know what, this might help me, and uh, let me go and and try it out and say I want to try this stuff. We definitely know it's safer than a lot of things that are behind the counter in a pharmacy. And maybe that that is a path, like in these states that have medical frameworks you know, to loosen some of the restrictions, right? Like, why not? There's so many states, you know, we have a lot of adult use in a lot of blue states and a lot of red states, you have a lot of medical. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a way to get people out of the gray market, the illicit market that certainly exists in those states, like it exists in every state and into the legal channels. And it's, you know, better for everybody, right? It's regulated, it's tested, it's controlled, limiting access. And it's something that, you know, DC did it. And obviously they had a real need to do it because they had no adult use market and they legalized it. But I could see a world where you start to see medical markets do this if they can't get to this adult use and and as more acceptance in other states and they're just stuck, like Minnesota was stuck, you know, couldn't get adult use moving, had this robust, or maybe that's the wrong word, robust, but they've got a medical framework. Okay, you know, great, but let's expand this, right? So maybe there's something here. Maybe, you know, there is an opportunity. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to get between, you know, where DC is and where, you know, a lot of these medical markets are currently, but it's not crazy to think that that's a a pathway to more access for more consumers. Yeah. I mean, for a while, the doctors who prescribe medical marijuana cards, that was a business for people. It still is in some states, but I mean, if you think about it this way, like if I declare I have insomnia, which I do, by the way, I sleep like crap and cannabis helps me. It really does. And it was actually through the work of a doctor who did help me to understand about which terpenes I should be exploring. Anyway, that's a sidebar. But the fact is, even if I had to get a medical card, how it goes down is I go into the doctor's office and I declare to the doctor that I have a sleeping issue. The doctor doesn't follow me home to see that I'm not sleeping at night and that I'm sitting up watching The Office or 30 Rock or whatever it is because I can't sleep for the 80 millionth night of my life. Instead, they take your word for it. Maybe they'd measure your cortisol levels or other stress indicators in your blood before they... But the reality is the alternative is they could prescribe a sleeping pill, which is way more concerning in terms of the potential downside on that versus cannabis. But it's all the same thing. It's self-reporting about how you're feeling. So whether it's to a medical professional or whether it's a person in a store who understands cannabis, 
I think you're kind of getting to the same place. You're just getting there quicker and more efficiently and with more autonomy, which I think we're all grownups. I think we can. And it's because it's 21 plus. And I think that's an important right. piece of this. Yeah. So anyway, I'm all for it. I think it's great. Yeah. And I love this idea of you walking into a pharmacy and just like Michael Scott in the office <laughs> screaming, I declare I can't sleep. <laughs> and just, I mean, when you don't sleep, you do crazy things. So, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is, but then we saw what we, we were going to say, we saw some other state news, local, so not federal news. As we all know, we've been waiting for safe banking to make progress of any form or fashion at the federal level, and it has not right. again. But we saw something interesting out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. What, what's, the, what's the headline? So the governor signed a bill that's protecting banks and insurance companies and other service providers who support the legal operating companies in the state to protect them and to allow them to stay open. And so they're not going to be targeted or gone after for supporting these companies. And I think that's a really important step. And I think one of the things they pointed out is like, look, you can go through a robust, you know, KYC, you know your customer, AML, anti-money laundering approach as a bank when you're vetting business clients. But, you know, trying to know who's banking with you at all times is pretty difficult task considering all of the different things the banks have against them. And same thing with insurance. And frankly, you know, they go through additional hoops just like we do in all of aspects of this industry, but it results in higher banking fees usually for a lot of folks and also higher insurance premiums for a lot of folks because you have fewer underwriters at the table willing to step up to support these businesses. So I feel like seeing this as a step being taken, it reminded me also of how New York is approaching 280E in a much more business-friendly way. And I, I believe Michigan does that as well. So I think it's it's really interesting that we continue to push down this path of state versus federal. And it was interesting. Earlier today, I um, got a text from the DNC asking me for a donation, and I texted back, lose my number. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I just feel like nobody's representing me at the federal level. And I think that where I'm more leaning in is on local levels. And I feel like this is just more representing kind of how I feel about what's happening that'll change things in our country. Yeah, it does seem like the only way things are, are changing at this point in time. And, uh, you know, we can hope for the federal government to get there. Um, but it's really nice to see these states making decisions uh, in the current environment that do help accelerate this industry that we're all part of. Thanks for listening to the High Rise Podcast presented by Headset. For more information on Headset, visit Headset.io.